2: Hello and welcome to this festive edition of Total Saints Podcast. It's nearly Christmas, so we thought we'd get together and basically spend the length of this pod talking about anything but on the pitch and everything on tinsel, angels, lights and jingly baubles. It actually feels like quite a while since uh, we were together because there wasn't a pod at the weekend, but uh, Glenn and Steve are both here with me um, as well. So, seasons, greetings to you guys. Steve, how are you feeling? You feeling all Christmassy? No. <laughs> no I just find this, this of here just dull.
3: Yeah. Um, there's never anything good on on TV. It's all just crap reruns of um, what's that hideous BBC thing that everyone has got really excited about? Oh, Mrs Brown's
2: Boys. Oh dear, don't, that's it's rubbish. just like what, like what the hell
3: is this? Just it's just absolute toss, isn't it? And you just got back to back like repeats of stuff of the standard of that all through the day. It's just like nah. give them a dinner and then uh, and then and then uh, onto the vodka.
2: Do you have a christmas tree a fake one a real one none at all
3: I, i've got one but i um haven't bothered putting it up this year because obviously I was, where i was away for um the first week of this month i kind of just thought oh, i
2: can't be asked. This hasn't been uh, the most festive start to the festive podcast. No, really, I know. But, yeah, uh,
3: bar, bar humbug and all that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, I find it difficult to get enthusiastic about a period where it's really, really cold. Yeah, all
2: right. Well, fair enough. Well, let's move from you on to someone that I know will be very Christmassy. Um, Glenn, I imagine you're the sort of person that dances around the kitchen, listening to Christmas tunes, getting the, the lunch ready, that sort of thing.
4: Yeah, that's me. I'm a big, big fan of Christmas novelty records, as, <laughs> as you can imagine. Being uh, a. <laughs> Being and being an aging punk rocker I, lo- I love all that sort of stuff but yeah. uh no christmas is is um I, I kind of echo a little bit what Steve says. I always find the build build up to Christmas a little bit painful. I enjoy the actual day and boxing day and all that stuff yeah, and the bit until just before I have to go back to work but yeah. um yeah it's it is it is what it is i 've got used to it. my kids are kind of well, the youngest one 's fifteen now, so it 's not quite as um uh, all magic and father christmas as as it used to be but uh but, uh, that's, that's okay. I, um, I think we've done a fairly good job this year, um, in scaling things down a little bit. Yeah. Because it's always been ridiculously expensive up till now. And we've, um, just decided to have a, have a, have a pauper's Christmas this year. And, uh, I, I think the kids have, um, bought into it reluctantly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> they don't have a lot of choice. No, no. Well, I think that's the most important thing, isn't it? And, uh, yeah, you do realize, and I've realized this becoming a parent as well as, you know, now I've got two kids as well. You do realize quite quickly how expensive Christmas can get, right?
4: Correct. And, uh, yeah, that's one of the, one of the advantages of, uh, Getting older, I guess, is that you know you can you can scale things back a little bit, and yeah, uh, yeah they've never been too bad to be fair. But it's uh, it's nice to see uh, maybe a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel.
2: <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, I, I was thinking, obviously, with you, myself, and Steve, from a Christmas point of view, we've got our three wise men, so that's good. um Well, let's have a fourth wise man because I'm delighted to say that the Daily Echoes Dan Sheldon at Dan Sheldon Sport on Twitter, if you're not following yet, is also with us. Dan, thanks for coming on the pod. I, I hope you're uh, as, as equally festive as Stephen Glenn.
5: No worries, Ben. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I was actually feeling very festive. we have We dragged you down the road. <laughs> until yeah. Ralph decided to give the players a day off on the 23rd, yeah. which now means that we have to go and speak to the players and him on the 24th. So I was feeling festive
2: until then. Yeah, no, fair enough. And uh, look, I mean, how, how's it all going? We, we know um, obviously trying to slip into the seat of the, uh, the last guy. I forget his name now, Alan Beach or something like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, how, uh, how are you finding it all?
5: I mean, obviously Adam, you know Adam mm. really well. He was excellent, wasn't he? I don't think you could ever replace. Well, I
2: wouldn't say that, but yeah.
5: But <laughs> well, you can't replace him really. I mean, mm. you know, 20 years, those contacts are just, the contacts he had were unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I was joking with the guys at Saints today because, uh, one of the other members of the press pack sort of said oh why aren't you sitting in Adam's old seat and I started protesting saying no that seat should have been taken out and retired
2: (laughs) yeah exactly I just put uh, somewhere with a a veil over it all but uh, look I I was going to say like the Saints players almost let's not put any effort into talking about the West Ham game because they couldn't be bothered to put much effort in but before that you obviously picked up from Leachy back to back home wins I mean he made all this fuss about the fact they couldn't win at some Mary's, and they did it twice for you Dan
5: I know it was remarkable that's the thing he, he seemed to be the curse didn't he
2: it was like the journalistic bounce
5: effect for him to leave and then miss back-to-back wins uh, was quite something but then it's almost gone back to uh
2: reality a little bit now yeah, I feel yeah and, look, and just finally for those that don't maybe know then Dan just very very briefly your sort of history with the echo you, you've been there about a year or so now is that right or a bit longer
5: yeah so I've been there since last last October so yeah mm-hmm. just over a year now it was um I used to work I was at uni in Southampton and then worked um part-time at uh tk Maxx, but i freelanced whilst i was at uni that's how i got to meet adam yeah and then i still remember now i was on my break uh at tk Maxx one day and i had a a missed call from a number i didn't have Mm. and it was a a message from adam saying oh there's a possible chance you know that there's going to be a role here yeah get back to me would you be interested and then about a month later, it was I was starting at the Echo, so yeah.
2: The rest is history. So now, excellent. Well, pleasure to have you on. I know I know lots of people that listen to the pod. I think uh, felt with Adam going that uh, that sort of gap was going to be uh, lost in terms of you, you know the the relationship with the club. So ho- hopefully, Dan, we may be able to get you on for sort of fairly regularly between now and end of the season. Certainly won't pester you every week, but maybe during the transfer window, I think there'll be lots of people interested to get your view on how things are progressing Uh, you know those things that you can tell us and uh, that sort of thing but as I say pleasure to have you on and uh, in TSP 95 we're going to uh, have a uh, FPL update so I think it's been a while since we've done one of those Um, and with 2020 near it's an arrival we're also going to chat through some of our favourite moments from the the past decade including our favourite 11s our favourite manager and favourite Saints goal as well and uh, in true TSP style Glenn's also done a worst 11 because we thought it'd be uh, good to make sure we uh, covered all the basics And finally we're going to get some predictions for the games between uh, this pod and our next one which will be uh, Villa, Chelsea and Crystal Palace. Um, As well as uh, asking uh, Dan ahead of the Villa game the most important question that we ever ask on this pod. I hope he's ready for it. So let's cracker on. Apologies in partnership with saintsarchive.com. I <laughs> know they don't get better Steve do they. Um, in partnership with saintsarchive.com and SaintsWorld.co.uk and sponsored for 2019-20 by happyhottubs.co.uk. This is Total Saints Podcast episode 95.
5: Me? I could never own a hot tub.
2: Stop it. That's the kind of negative thinking that's preventing you from sitting in a
0: hot tub right now. Talk to Happy Hot Tubs today, where owning a hot tub is as easy as one, two, three. One, choose your hot tub. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose the way you pay with 0% finance available on selected models. I could
2: own a hot tub. That's the spirit. You deserve happy with Happy Hot Tubs.
5: HappyHotTubs.co.uk
2: With just a couple of weeks to go until 2020 arrives, I uh, thought we'd avoid having a chat about the West Ham game and uh, talk about more exciting things. So uh, one of the things I was uh, keen for the guys to do, and I know there's been a a lot of it around, some people talking about their uh, favourite teams of the decade, was uh, basically looking back from sort of 2010 to date to have a chat about our best 11s uh, individually, uh, our favourite goals, and then also our favourite manager as well. So um, after some internal, um, let's call it bickering, I think uh, I agreed that everyone could go with uh, whichever formation they... uh, felt was acceptable, um so Steve, maybe to kick us off on the pod, I wondered if you could chat through the best eleven that you've picked for the last uh, ten years and sort of you know not necessarily every single selection, but some of the sort of key ones and why you 've decided to pick them
3: yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be a fairly significant overlap from all of our yeah. sides yeah. um there's probably only two or three positions that might be a little bit contentious um, so i mean the first the first one's going to be the goalkeeper because I actually think i mean we 've not really had kind of an outstanding goalkeeper over the, over the 10 years but I think in terms of the contribution from the start of the decade all the way all the way through yeah um it's probably got to be Kelvin Davis um and I know Glenn will massively disagree with me because he because <laughs> he, he's probably going to name him in his worst 11 um but I think couldn't possibly say (laughs) having been because i think he was he was in the team of the year as goalkeeper in both league one and the championship in our promotion season yeah
2: yeah, yeah.
3: Um, so i mean he's obviously been a been a key part of of what's happened to this football club over well more than 10 years because obviously he was he was here for two or three years previous as well Mm. and obviously he's now on the coaching staff whether that i mean whether that's a good thing or not i'm not entirely convinced um but he's he's certainly been a fabric of the club if you like um over the um the sort of period since administration yeah um so i think for that re- that reason largely he, he gets in that position yeah um i think the back four probably largely picks itself looking at nathaniel klein at right back Uh, Left back is possibly slightly contentious. Um, I think I would probably just about go with um, go with Luke Shaw. Right. Um, Although Ryan Bertrand certainly got got a stake in in that argument. Um, But I think Shaw was just explosive for the uh, well, just shy of two years that we had him in the side. Kind of unfortunate, really, that he's not really kicked on how everyone expected him to for, mm. for all kinds of reasons. Um, and in the it's middle. Been, he's well, eaten a lot. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, he, did, he did anyway, didn't he? I think, but, um, yeah, injuries and managers who don't manage him very well and all, all kinds of other issues. Um, centre backs, I think, be very surprised if anybody else has gone for anything other than
2: Font and Van Dyke. Um, I mean, both left under a cloud. You didn't fancy Dejan Lovren, Steve? Strangely not. No, <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah.
3: Lov- Lovren was very good for six months, but then was also garbage for the, the last sort of two or three months of of his one season with us. So,
2: I was I was having a quick look on the uh, I was having a quick look on the Echo website because Dan, we'll talk about it in a minute. But I know you've just started taking votes, haven't you, for your um, best eleven? And uh, I was pleased to see I think when I voted for. Steve's just mentioned the two that I'm going to come on to centre backs, but I think Lovren had one percent, so I was almost pleased that it was one percent, but I was slightly worried that actually one percent of the vote had gone for it, Steve. So, uh...
3: well, yeah, I mean, you, the public can't be trusted with votes, can they? This is the yeah. this is the uh, the long and short of it. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, the only other real contender, I think, would have been if he'd stayed, would have been Alderweireld, because I think he was superb for us in in the season that he was he was with us. Yeah um but was only on loan and didn't stay for any longer than he had to so um so he he's automatically discounted by uh on that basis yep. um so yeah as i say i think the back four almost picks itself as does the shield in front of them mm-hmm. um so i've gone for a Kumanesque esque formation yeah um so we've got two holding midfielders which are um, Schneidlin and Wan-Yama. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Wan-Yama is another one who kind of blotted his copybook a little bit towards the end. But I don't think there was any doubt that those two working in tandem meant that the guys behind him had nowhere near as much work to do. Mm. And then we move into the sort of attacking uh, midfield roles. The central guy is, is going to be Dusan Tadic. I mean, just an incredible player for us. Yeah. Um, you only have to look at the, his statistics. I think the only player who created more chances um, in the Premier League in the f- in what was it four years he was with us um, is Eden Hazard. That's some company to be in. Mm. Um, literally nobody else in the Premier League created more chances over that four-year stretch. Yeah, and he's playing and he's playing for us. Just goes to show what a terrific player he was.
2: Who have you got alongside Tadic?
3: Uh, so I've got through slightly gritted teeth again, uh, Adam Nalani. <laughs> yeah, huge player for us coming coming back up through the ranks. Yeah, was again in the League One and Championship teams of the year. Um, then went on and managed to get in the Premier League um, mm. PFA Team of the Year. So he was one of the players who made the step up absolutely seamlessly.
2: Cool. OK, so you've got Tadic, Lallana and then uh, Tadic, Lallana, and you're Sadio-, say Sadio Mane. Yeah.
3: Oh, I am going to say Sadio Mane. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the deserving Champions League winner. Totally. Um, and he is a player who I think will win the Ballon d'Or ahead of Van Dijk next season. I mean, he he's just unbelievable player. And it, it's it still makes me laugh to this day, going back to that... Uh, League Cup final defeat at Sheffield United, back when the Blades were in League One. Mm. And um, and we lost 1-0 up there. And Mane was the one player that seemed to come in for the most stick of everybody. Yeah. When he was the only one in that team that night who wanted to try and make something happen. Yeah. And, I mean, I mean, stating the obvious, uh, two years later, we've still not replaced him. Yeah. Who you got playing up front? This was almost a toss-up. Right. Um... And then I kind of thought, no, it's not actually a toss up, is it? It's very, very easy. Yeah. Um, it's, it's obviously going to be Ricky Lambert. Um, again, another one that's been there right, well, I say right from the start. He didn't play in the first, what, first game, I think of the, uh, of our spell in League One, but then, yeah. um, signed straight after that. Yeah. And I mean, just the, just the goal return. For a club of our size, who obviously you're going to have a natural churn of players on a fairly regular basis, if anybody becomes very good, then you're going to you're going to end up having to sell them. Um, Or if they're not good enough, then you're going to bin them off fairly quickly. So for a guy to have come through the divisions and to have got well past the 100 goal mark, um, whilst we were sort of on that ascent, as well as obviously getting getting his England caps um, scoring with his first touch in that game against Scotland um, and all the rest of it mm. um, just an extraordinary tale
2: Just to summarise we've got in goal Klein Van Dijk Fonte Shaw Wanyama Schneidlin Mane Lalana, Tadic and then Lambert up front What do you think of that team Glenn?
4: A couple of changes I'd have had Bertrand instead of Shaw mm-hmm. um, because he's been he's been here now is it five and a half years? Yeah
2: something like that yeah
4: um and on the whole, he, he's been a good player. Shaw was only in the first team for, was it just over a season? Mm. Season and a half, something like that. So I'd go with Bertrand. Um, the rest of it is more or less exactly the same. The goalkeeper is the only issue.
2: You mean and you didn't have Calvin Davis?
4: I didn't have Calvin Davis, wow. but I, I could see why, I can totally see why Steve, um, said yeah. what he said there. Yeah. But I, um, I mean, the goalkeeper I liked. And I felt he was very hard done by, but he only played for us for a season. Was Arthur Boric. Mm-hmm. I I liked him because he's a lunatic. He was <laughs> he was a lunatic. He was a character. Yeah,
2: it's weird, isn't it? I, when I was thinking of my team the other day, the only th- two things I remember with him. Because you say he did all right. Well, three things, actually. One, he threw a water bottle, I think it was his first game, against Spurs. He then got loved by Asmir Begovic, and he then tried to turn at Arsenal, tried to cross turn, and lost the ball. So that's the three things I remember about him.
3: Yeah, but other than that, he was great. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the one thing I remember about Boric, and and this is a tale that I'm not 100% sure is true or not, Right. but we played Arsenal on New Year's Day in Boric's first season with us. And obviously, he'd been dropped after that Tottenham game, yeah. where he... Kicked the water bottle into the into the chapel stand, and he'd not got back in the team, and he was actually not even on the bench um, going through the Christmas run. Yeah. From what I gather, he'd basically just assumed that he wasn't going to be even on the bench for this Arsenal game on New Year's Day. So obviously New Year's Eve, he has a few drinks, and then gets a call at, um, <laughs> uh, at eight thirty on, on in the morning on New Year's New Year's Day, saying, um, "Yeah, get yourself to St Mary's, you're playing today." Yeah. Um, And he had a blinder. Yeah. (laughs) But also, if you watch the game back, the first 10 minutes or so, he took a couple of crosses, um, looking slightly wobbly. (laughs) um, But you could also see that every, every every time there was a break in play, he was basically slapping himself in the face. As almost as if to sort of make sure he was he was keeping himself awake, just
2: extraordinary. Yeah, I've seen a few goalkeepers at Saints take crosses and look wobbly even when they're saver Steve. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, but uh, um, cool. So that would be your t- that would be the only change then, Gled would it compared to Steve's team?
0: Yeah, uh,
4: yeah, I'd, I'd have Bertrand for sure, and yep. you could make an argument for Boric You could make an argument for Fraser Forster first mm. time round, um, pre-injury, um, he was pretty good. But uh, no, other than other than that, I think um, I think most people who look at the this team in a decade will have, you know, probably nine yeah. nine or ten of those in there.
2: So. Yeah, nah, fair enough. And look, Dan, I don't want people to start getting pickets and blames and all that sort of thing. We had a quick chat offline, so I'm not going to ask you who you support, but you made it clear you're not a Saints fan, which actually from a journalistic point of view and writing neutrally is probably for the best. But you, you did say you were going to give this a go as well. So have you managed to come up with from a distance following Saints the last 10 years? Yes,
5: I have. Good man. Uh, and to be fair, it's very similar to, to the other guys, to be fair. there is only. Uh, one change though, and I have gone for Forster in goal.
2: Yeah, yeah.
5: I just think I, I I understand obviously that what Davis did at the beginning of the decade, but for sheer quality, I I still think Forster's their best goalkeeper now. Yeah, I think he's proven that at Celtic. I don't buy the argument that it, Scottish football is a lot easier. You know, he's doing it in the Europa League as well. To be fair to him. And I've gone for Bertrand at left back.
2: Yeah, and as you say, we Forster, forced to that. You know, that's hopefully a good thing for for Saints one way or other. Either he's going to come back and with a bit renewed confidence, or whatever happens in the summer, and his value potentially will go up, whether it's to Celtic or someone else. So yeah, as you say, good to see him doing well out there.
5: No, exactly, and I think that's the way the club see it as well. To be honest, there mm. was he obviously wasn't going to play uh, this season for Saints. So you know, behind the scenes, it was a case of you know, give him a fresh start. If he goes there and does well, then. You know, he could come back into the team when he comes back in the summer or if not, then we move him on and get a decent fee for him. So it looks like a win-win situation at the moment.
2: Totally. Before I do my team, can I just clarify and hopefully this isn't, you're not a Portsmouth fan, are you? No, I don't. Oh, to be fair, right. I, don't, I yes.
5: don't really have any allegiances to any team. Oh, that's all right, or... then. That's a
2: very, very strong answer. So,
5: football games,
2: you get a bit. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, exactly. So no, good stuff. Um, look, I, I, I know there was originally when I sent it out, and Glenn or Steve had backed me up on this. It was I said that everyone had to go four four two, and I got a lot of flat back about well, Saints haven't played four four two for yonks and all that sort of thing. And the only reason that I wanted four four two was just so I could get Graziano in my team as well. So, uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, look, I mean, I, I think the the two positions that I even when you look back over the last decade, I think as you as you guys have mentioned, goalkeeper and right back, we haven't really had lots of quality there. I mean, I, I saw your thing today down on the Echo site. I think the, the three options for right back were Fraser Richardson, uh, Nathaniel Klein, Cedric Suarez. And I know people will say that I'm being pi- people will say I'm being picky here, but I'd actually have Suarez put on that list because I just don't rate him at all. So, uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, goalkeeper wise as well, I well think...
3: I'd have I'd have Danny Butterfield ahead of yeah. Cedric.
2: There you go. You see, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean, uh, to,
5: to be honest, in terms of The right backs was the one I really struggled on, to be honest, because I just had Klein and Cedric. And I said to the guy I work with, I was like, look, you've got to help me out here because I do not know. I couldn't tell you who Saints' right-back was in yeah. 2010.
2: Well, I, I, I still remember Dan Harden playing a few games there, and he was our left-back. And then we've had, uh, who else? We had Stuart Armstrong there. You could have probably put him in that position, couldn't you? But uh, <laughs> but there we go. So, yeah, so my team was, uh, I, I went with Forster in goal just because I thought he was OK in in terms of that run that we had. And I, I don't think you can underestimate what, and Steve said it, what Calvin Davis has done for Saints over the last 10 years. But uh, I had Klein at right-back, unsurprisingly, VVD and Fonte at centre-backs. And then I actually went with Bertrand, a left back just because I think he has delivered a bit more the last few years, although I do think his attitude stinks and I've made that point several times. Uh my foreign midfield, Manny, Lalana uh, and agree with you Steve from a, a playing point of view Lolano, I think he let himself down a couple of times by uh, openly sort of outlining he wanted to leave the club and he eventually got his wish Morgan, Snyderlin and then Tadic and then up front Ricky and uh, Pella and the only reason and Glenn I think you'll back me up on this is that period under Kuman, whilst his strike rate wasn't fantastic just Graziano was absolutely pivotal to the way that we played our football holding the ball up you know winning flick-ons players running off him that sort of thing and I mean he was just I, I just found and I almost fell in love with him, a bit like Ricky. And I just, you know, for me, he's, you know, when I look back over the last ten years, you think of the Veo shirts and you think of Manny and Tadic, and he's just someone I remember being uh, up at the Millwall Cup game when he looked absolutely shocking for the first hour. He banged a goal, and he then scored at the following weekend at West Ham, and uh, it all sort of went from there. So the only reason that I wanted to go four four two was just so I could get those two up front.
4: Yeah, it's, it's totally understandable. And the and the thing about Graziano is that since he's left, mm. our attacking play, particularly at home, yep. has been clueless. Yeah, You need that focal point so you can, you can do the obvious thing, chip balls into him. So he, he would hold it up and lay it off to other people and, and stuff like that. He was a really good player. There was, there's one incident I remember, which is not, not one that you'll ever see on a highlight reel, but it was, I can't remember who we were playing, but the ball got banged from our goalkeeper straight up to him. And he brought it down on his chest whilst holding off both the centre-halves, one arm each. He just brought this ball down on his thigh <laughs> or something and just laid it off to someone. And I thought, you have no idea how difficult yeah, it is to do that. he's strong, strong lad. Um, he was just a big, strong lad. You know, he had absolutely everything in his game. Yeah. And um, people tell me he was a good-looking guy as well. well but there you he's go. He's better
2: looking than me. But, yeah. Um, but, Steve, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head a minute ago with Manny and the fact they've not replaced him. It's almost the same with Graziano yeah
3: um i mean that the triumvirate that we had with um with tadic as well mm. just the understanding that the three of them had mm. um and the fact it clicked that straight all... away didn't it when they came in literally day one yeah and you take the key attributes from all three of them you put them together you have the complete footballer basically yeah. um from an attacking sense and anyway. a good looking one at that yeah, it wouldn't be bad. <laughs> yeah, the, the other
4: the other thing is that before those three, you had Lalana Rodriguez and Lambert. Yeah, they were each other quite yeah, They babe. were yeah. they were the three. So you had the you know you had the quick one, you had the creative one, and you had the you know the big striker. And that blueprint, we've we've struggled ever since we moved away from that. And
3: well, we haven't got anyone that, above six foot at the moment. Have no, and the, the, the biggest
4: and the biggest joke is is that we kind of knew that Pella was leaving at the end mm. of that season, mm. and who did we sign in the January as a replacement? Charlie Austin Charlie so Austin. Austin yeah yeah because you know everyone thought at the time or you know oh, 4 million quid great bargain and you know look how that turned out and we struggled ever I... since
3: as much as I dislike Austin f- for kind of his attitude and his lack of work rate I think the I mean the go- the goals return we got for the price and it was okay him- and given, yeah, and given that we sold him for basically the same fee that we bought him for, with again with six months of his contract left, I don't I don't think we did too badly out of that deal. No. It was just it was just the problem was that he was taking up a squad space that we should have been quicker to find somebody more suitable to the role.
2: All right, then. Well, moving on, um, just uh, to have a chat about manager briefly. Then, so Dan, who's the Saints manager from the last decade that's managing your team?
5: Oh, it's got to be Ronald on Koeman from what uh, what everyone that sort of says about him and the record he had at saints i mean i felt a bit sorry it didn't work out at everton for him but mm. yeah i mean adam used to speak like glowingly i think adam even said on this pod that he was such a like a pleasure to deal with journalistically because he was just so uber professional yeah uh, and the football we played the team he built and you mentioned like peller and tadic where well, you know a lot of part of the reason they came i think was because of him yeah um and obviously that dutch connection obviously working over there. So yeah, it's got to be Cooman for me. I know Adkins obviously got the team up, but I just thought... Cooman took him to another
2: level. Yeah, and and I can probably jump in there and go. I was exactly the same. Um, I think I made it clear on the pod that uh, growing up, when I used to play football in the school playground, we always used to run out and people chat. Oh, I'm Roberto Baggio and I'm Zidane or whatever. But I was always Ronald Koeman because he was the one that took the free kicks and the penalties for Holland, and he was that sort of you know sweeper, almost spraying the ball around. So yeah, I think. So grow-
3: you, you, so, so it was you that was the cynical one dragging the guy down as the last man then. <laughs>
2: exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still you still going on about what was that David Platt one it? Um, Um, But uh, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I think for just for me, he was an idol, and then you know when he became Saints manager, I was really excited, and uh, you know again, it was typical Saint style the way that he left, and it was all a bit of a dark cloud. But yeah, for me, you know Nigel Atkins did a great job, and I think you know he's a guy that we would always have as a bit of a hero for his promotions. But I I, kind of the same as you, I just think that period of football when we finished sixth, um, I said it to someone earlier today. At the moment, we just turn up expecting to lose every game. When Cummins was manager, you turned up expecting to win every game. So. um, uh, he's my manager as well, um, Glenn. What about you?
4: Yeah, echo what you said there. You, you have to mention Pochettino as well mm-hmm. because he took basically the same squad of players that Atkins had and added a couple. And, and we, you know, he took us to a different level within he didn't that. Didn't even
2: speak English, did he? No, yeah.
4: no. Well, he did obviously, <laughs> but uh, just not out loud, uh, not out loud to the press. <laughs> so you know, he he did a great job, and I think he made us see what what was possible. Mm. You know, again, he left under a bit a bit of a cloud as well after Cortese, um got booted out. But yeah, but um, no, Koeman came in and he did. Um, he took Pochettino's work. Obviously, he had to re- had to replace a lot of players. And yeah, uh,
2: you're right. Yeah, we all re- we all remember that famous training ground photo. But I think yeah. he did by accident. But it it all <laughs> came out very funny that there was no one on the training ground.
4: Yeah, the fact that all those players left, I think there was a bit of a question mark over Pochettino as well because yeah. there was rumours at the time that he was. Uh, Shall we say encouraging people to uh, to leave? Whether that's yeah. true or not, I don't know. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't think I don't think you can go far wrong with uh, with kuman
2: I think you're right. And just to to finish on on that section before we ask Steve, I mean, it almost puts into perspective the job that Kuman did because you, you're right. He was almost building up from you know a very very loose squad of players to to then finish six sort of 24 months later so um yeah a really really good job that he did and uh you know i think for for that reason alone it, it deserves a lot of credit doesn't it um steve what about you three for Koeman so far are you are you adding to that or are you going down a different direction
3: yeah i think i think i am I, I mean it's it's quite tight isn't it i mean obviously the the contribution that adkins made i mean without without that we wouldn't have even got to the top flight nope. um I mean. i mean also let's let's also have a mention for the two managers that got us to cup finals. Yep. Yep. Uh, Pardew who actually won us a trophy. Yeah. 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 Which nobody else in, um, well, my living memory anyway, has uh, has has managed that. Likewise. Yeah. Um, and big bad Claude. So yeah, Pardew and and uh, Claude Puel. Yeah. Um, I mean, it all it all obviously went south for Puel. Are basically after that cup final, mm. where I mean there was essentially nothing to play for for the best part of three months. Yep. Yeah possibly a victim of circumstance to an extent to be honest throughout that season really because mm-hmm. there was there was a whole whole lot of um whole lot of issues um going on that he had to deal with obviously the 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 extra games the lack of training time all, all this sort of stuff that we've that we've discussed ad nauseum before yeah um and I kind of thought yeah he got a bit of a bum deal would not and I think his mannerisms in in the public didn't help, and that was that was ultimately what led to led to him going both from us and from Leicester. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean we've 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 done okay, I think. I mean po- Pochettino um, was excellent when Plan A worked. Yeah. Um, it took him going elsewhere for him to discover what Plan B is, <laughs> um, and even that took the best part of eighteen months, I think, at Spurs before he he kind of worked out that you need to have an alternate game plan when when Plan A doesn't work. Mm. Um and even he and the job that he that he did at Spurs wasn't uh wasn't completely infallible. It's uh, just kind of goes to show the industry really that you're only sort of six weeks six weeks away from getting your P45, no matter what your achievements are.
2: Yeah, yeah Actually, when you think of uh, Claude, I think if Adam was here, you know, he probably would have just picked Tadic as his one player, no one else, and then probably Claude as his manager because he loved the guy, didn't he? <laughs> Cool, so that's our favourite teams, our favourite uh, manager from the uh, the last 10 years. Um, time to just briefly have a chat about our uh, favourite goals. Dan, let's start with you again as our as our guest this week. Have you uh, got a favourite Saints goal that you've you've seen or people have told you about over the last 10 years?
5: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, this one, I did have to rack my brains quite a lot for this <laughs> one, because obviously <laughs> I've only been covering them for a couple of years. Yeah. But in terms of goals I've seen, I was there for Bouffal, um, but I actually think I saw um, it was Osvaldo, if I remember rightly, the goal against City.
1: Milana, pushing header forward. Saints are breaking now. Osvaldo down the left. Company is recovering. Good first touch from Osvaldo. Nips it inside company. Back outside him into the box. Still going down the left. Curls it! What oh, a God, fantastic is. strike by Danny Osvaldo! What a goal for the Argentinian! He has curled it deliciously just under the crossbar control a wonderful finish and Riccio Pochettino will say that's why I spent the money on him that's why he's in the side it is Southampton 1 Manchester City
5: 1 the skill and technique in that goal i mean whether he could do it again or not i don't really know but it was just an incredible goal straight into the top corner the spin the volley yeah so that, that pips is me booth was good but i just thought from what i've seen and the goals i can remember the
3: Osvaldo one does stand out the best bit I love about that Bouffal goal was just the way the two West Brom defenders ran into ran each into other.
2: other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it was, uh, it was one of our early episodes. We had Dean Hammond on, cause I was listening to it the other day. I was that bored and, uh, Adam, uh, cause Dean Hammond said he hadn't seen it. Uh, Adam then explained the goal and yeah, him talking about the comical moment, as he put it, when two of them ran face first into each other, Steve, I think. So, uh, mm. so yeah, and as, as Dan says, uh, I think Osvaldo then machine gunned the Northern stand after his goal, I think. So, uh, yeah, he was a bizarre character. Um, Steve, what about you? Where's your favourite goal from the last 10 years? I know it's probably hard to pick one, but... Uh... Yeah, God, there's a lot. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go
3: with um, Jay Rodriguez away at Fulham.
1: As Fulham give it away? And Ricky Lambert looks like he was trying to do a casual clearance, but it was a brilliant ball. 50 yards for Rodriguez, into the here on the left. Curls it and scores a fantastic goal! What a wonderful strike from Jay Rodriguez. Again, Lambert the provider.
3: So it was a three nil win at Fulham. I mean, Fulham. I think Fulham went down that year, mm. um, so they weren't very good. But it kind of just showed the dynamics of the um, of that front three that we had at that time, which was obviously Lambert, Lalana, and Rodriguez that we spoke about earlier. Um, where I mean, Lalana wasn't involved in this one, but just I mean, the vision from Lambert to yeah. play that to play the pass in the way that he did. And he was pretty much to, on the
2: edge of his area almost, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he
3: was he was about yeah, probably about 25 30 yards from our goal. And he somehow plays the pass in the channel between the fullback and the center back, putting the right amount of curl on it yeah. and with the right weight so it's right into Rodriguez's uh, stride. I mean, that's that's one thing that frustrates the hell out of me when you've got a play that you're looking to pass to and you don't pass it into his stride. You pass it to where he was when you when you when you release the ball. So he then has to check, and the and the momentum of the attack stalls. But Lambert got it absolutely spot on. So Rodriguez is running the full pelt round the outside of the fullback. Mm. Um, gets to the corner of the area, cuts inside, and then just absolutely pings it into the far top corner. Just an incredible bit of football, and and it was obviously unfortunate that it was only what a week or two later, where yep. at, Ma- at Man City his his knee explodes, and to be honest, he's he's not
2: been the same player since. He's not, has he? No, no, you're right. It was, uh, and that was under Pochettino, wasn't it? So yeah, as you say, it's uh, uh, certainly one to remember it well. Um, Glenn, what about you?
4: Um, my favorite goal is a favorite because of its simplicity. And it's something, something we talked about earlier on about Graziano Pella. Mm -hmm. And it was away at Chelsea.
1: 43 minutes. Font with the diagonal ball forward to the edge of the penalty. Chested down brilliantly. Volley comes in and Southampton have equalised. And Stephen Davis has his first goal for Saints for 63 matches. The Northern Ireland skipper with a low volley past, Be- past Begovic. Great layoff from Pella. And Southampton before the break have equalised at Stamford Bridge. 43 minutes gone. Chelsea won, Saints won, and Davis has broken his duck.
4: Uh, we were one 0 down. William had stuck a free kick in the top corner in the first couple of minutes, and I think we had a free kick. Whoever it was, hit it forward, and Pella held off the defender, just chested it down, and Steve Davis yep. just smashed it in past whoever the goalkeeper was.
2: Megovic, Megovic, um,
4: yeah. 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 And I think that game sort of went a long way to getting Mourinho the sack <laughs> the second time. Uh, but just that goal and the simplicity of it. Yeah. Um, because what we have done now, we wouldn't have put the free kick in the box. We'd have just gone pass, 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 and it would have probably ended up back with McCarthy,
2: wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, I laugh, yeah. but you're right.
4: <laughs> yeah, we had we had the option then of, you know, going to this guy who who knew exactly what you know what to do, mm. and you know most of the time he did it, and and we were a much better attacking team because of it. Yeah. So I like that goal simply because it is so simple. And it just shows that football doesn't have to be a complicated game.
2: Totally. No, no, I totally agree with you. And uh yeah, um you, you know, much like you three, um three came to mind. Bufal against West Brom for the skill. Um cuco Martino of course his uh goal against Arsenal came to mind because of the uh the swear from a player that was uh very unlikely. But um the one I, I went for and Glenn, I remember you coming on the pod a few months back and talking about this. Um the one I went for was actually the second goal that Gabbiadini scored at Wembley against Man yes. United.
1: All coming from that Redmond volley. Whipped in by Ward Prowse. Goalie stays on his line. Heads up in the edge of the six yard box. Half away. Davis puts it back in. Then the turn of the shot. Gabiannini's done it again. Right after half-time, he scored and stopped his time at the end of the first half. He scored in the third minute of the second half. And suddenly, the League Cup final is transformed. Saints have come from 2-0 down to the all-square. And Gabbiadini is Johnny on the spot once more. A swivel, a turn, a low left-footed shot. He is the man of the moment. Gabbiadini 2, Saints 2, it's 2-2 at the EFL Cup final.
2: And it was just for the moment, um, you know, when it yeah. went in, I think it just... As Saints fans, we've had loads and loads of downs over the years, and I think just that moment when the whole of the, that end of Wembley went wild, he, he went off, he did his knee slide, and you, you know you're almost in that sort of heavenly place as a football fan where your team scores, you absolutely enjoy the moment, and uh, it was just a, a real, almost surreal moment. But just for me, I wouldn't say it was the best goal that Saints have scored, obviously during that time, but for me, it was just my favourite goal in terms of being there, witnessing it in the flesh, and uh, yeah, I mean the celebrations after that for sort of five minutes or so were just pretty uh, wild. So yeah, one that will stick in the, the mind, I think.
3: Another yeah. bonus to add to that is, I reckon there's probably at least two thousand Saints fans who who were at that game who missed both Gabbiadini's goals.
2: Yeah, because they, they, they were
3: either side of half time. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I know at least a dozen people that um, that missed both of them, if not that second one.
2: Look, just before we move on, um, must uh, credit, of course, Adam Blackmore and uh, Solent Sport for the uh, clips that we've just played there. Um, look, very, very briefly then, Glenn, because um, I know we've witted on about all the good things. Um, I thought it'd be a bit of fun, or you did as well, to come up with our worst 11, which probably it's probably easier to pick the worst 11 because there's a... Uh, well, no, you know, there's, there's so many options. I was going to say this. Well, yeah, but there's more of a selection to choose from, isn't there? But uh, what were we going to say then, Glenn, we gave you the task of going away and putting together the worst 11, which we can quickly have a, a chat through then. So what have you come up with?
4: um well i I gave myself a bit of a criteria um so for example they had to be really bad at the level they were brought for right so for example Josh hoyvelt was bought for the championship and he did a good job there when he went up to the premier league he was useless (laughs) danny fox similarly so i haven't i haven't included players like that yeah um they had to have played a few games as well because we've had the famous Vegard foreign yep. who never played. Saphir Tider, never played. So I'm not bothered with those. Fair enough. Um, and I've tried not to include any of the current players, even though oh. some of them desperately <laughs> deserve it.
2: Yeah. You've really so, thought about this. I like it.
4: Yeah, I have. I have. Um, <laughs> That's so, a lot of
3: players you've ruled out there. <laughs> <yeah.
4: laughs> oh, there's plenty left. And I have, I've broken a couple of those rules. Um, but, um, right, goalkeeper. I never really liked Calvin Davis as a goalkeeper. But anyway, so I've I've already been told off about including him in the conversation. Um, the goalkeeper I have to go for is one that has ironically gone on to bigger and better things. But every time he played for us, he was a disaster. Just he got good. We sold him. Um, um, who, if he was still with the club now, would probably be first choice. <laughs> so I'll go for Gazaniga because whenever he played for us, he uh, I mean, was just a time bomb. <laughs> he was horrific you know running off his line and and, and everything so he was dreadful fair enough so yeah. uh so he, he's the goalkeeper in defense um kuko martina he was awful honorable mentions go to um cedric
2: Sed- suarez <laughs>
4: and Callum, <laughs> chambers, uh, Callum chambers basically for for the way he left you know played 20 games leave as soon as he could and then spent five years getting relegated and um and being in the reserves and now Arsenal have come down to the level where he actually gets a game yeah.
2: so I, I always remember as well and I don't know if he'll be listening this week but I always remember Jordan tweeting to say that Callan Chambers had missed the game at Bournemouth because he wasn't very well and then he signed for he Arsenal the next day yeah exactly yeah so uh, there we go uh, what you have to do when you're in charge eh but uh, all right so uh, Kuka right back then yeah um I couldn't really think of a diabolical left back but then Cedric
4: played there a couple of times so <laughs> I've 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 him in. Him
2: in. <laughs> I've crowbarred him
4: in on the left hand side because he can't he can't defend on either yeah. side. I love he that can't. you
2: I love that you've given him an honourable mention for right back, but then you put yeah. him in at left back anyway.
4: <laughs> I'd pick him four times if I could. So cool. he he's playing at left back because I think at left back he's even worse than he is at right back. Um, yeah. Can't defend, got no bottle, doesn't want to be here. Yeah. Um, sooner, sooner he goes, the better. I hope it's in January.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
4: agreed. Centre-backs, we're going back to League One days. Um, There were two that I remember that we had in League One that were disasters, even in League One. Uh, Dan Seaborn, he was a dreadful player. And we had a guy on loan called Neil Trotman. Yeah, I remember him. Who (laughs) who had a head like a 50p. Uh, Every time he headed the ball, no idea where it was going to go. He did, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, he scored one goal away where the, the ball and the goalkeeper were on the line and he just kicked everything in the net. <laughs> and for some reason yeah. the referee gave it he was special, but he was only on loan, so Dan Seaborn is one. Yeah. Um and I've gone up to date for the other centre halves. Um we signed both Wesley Hoyt and Yannick Vestergaard yeah. to specifically to do a job yeah. which is to correct our weakness in the air. You know, we've paid significant amounts of money for both of them. And for differing reasons they're totally unfit for purpose, the pair of them. So Are you playing in, four centre backs
2: or I've I've lost count now?
4: No, Martin so Kuka Martinez, yep. Cedric Suarez, Dan Seaborn, and Wesley Hoyt.
2: Wesley Hoyt, right, fair enough. Okay, that's not a great defence, but uh, moving forward. Right, it's, a, it's the, the midfield shield. Um and
3: this is
4: a this is a shield of steel, this one. Um <laughs> the first one is an affectionate selection because is it going to I be a genius? No, I quite like the guy, but as limited a footballer as you could possibly get. But he did a job in League One Paul Watton. Yeah,
2: yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah.
4: Hilarious. Um, usually his tackles connected when the ball was in another postcode. <laughs> he, he was. <laughs> he was such a limited player, but yeah. he, he did he did a job. um And one guy gets in there for one incident alone, which is the single funniest thing it's I've gonna be ever Oscar seen. Gabern, a, it? It's going to be Oscar Goburn. It's going to be Oscar yeah, Goburn down at Bournemouth. Yeah. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. I I dug out the YouTube highlight of that. Uh, honestly, if you haven't seen it, look it up. It is brilliant. Oscar yeah. Goburn kung fu kick. It is hysterical. So that's that's the midfield too. Oh, I've gone four-two-two-two. By the way. Oh, right. oh nice.
2: R- so. Ralph will be proud of that. Good.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So this is so I could crowbar this guy in. Um, we signed, according to Four Four Two magazine, the eighty-fourth best player in the world. We did. Um, Emmanuel mayu Yeah. And he was utter gash. Um, mm. He he was just shocking. He was fast, but he didn't know when to run. He was frequently fifteen yards offside dreadful footballer um i think he scored a goal
3: in the inner league cup game did a somersault that yeah. was about the end of that he was the top scorer in the african cup of nations when zambia won it that was basically why we bought him
2: and I, i'm yeah. sure quarters gave it the big one with him as well that we'd sign us. Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah. so uh, okay cool yeah because
3: i mean like you say he was he was in the 442's top 100 players he was in the guardians
2: top 100 players slimy, not the guardian steve yeah well, the serious newspaper. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, all right, who we got in R two against uh, alongside Mayuka then?
4: Alongside Mayuka on the other wing, um, we've we've got a guy who is technically in our squad, but he's out on loan at the moment. Um, I have never seen a Premier League winger without a single attribute that you need to be a Premier League winger
2: I'm than Mahanisi,
4: Mohamed El Nisi. Yeah, can't, can't believe it. No pace, no tricks, no finishing ability, nothing. I saw absolutely nothing in that guy and he had a fair few games but he showed absolutely nothing um, and everyone's given it the big one because he scored against Ross County. Well, yeah, great. <laughs> great. Um, I, again, hope he does well and yeah. maybe do, do you think he was given guess,
2: enough of a chance? Bearing in mind there was... and I, I guess I'm trying to be tactile here as well in terms of we're not just slating players but you know there was a couple of managerial changes and things like that as well and Dan will probably agree a bit like Forster that you know he's, it's good for Saints that he's doing well at Celtic but do you think he yeah. was really given enough of a chance
3: yes I think he was crap
2: <laughs> Fair I think enough, was, let's the on. Problem, <laughs> problem
3: was that he was brought in to replace Tadic yeah. and there's just no absolutely no comparison isn't no, there no, no. other no. than that they've both been listed in teams that we've selected it's just that one's the best and one's the worst <laughs>
2: yeah
4: we signed him because he had a good game against Manchester City, didn't he? Playing right he, Yeah, I mean, to be fair to him, he tore he, he City to pieces that night.
2: All right, cool. So, Mayoka, Al Yunisi, and then who we got up front?
4: Up front, um, I can't look past. He only played seven games for us, but Guido Carrillo. Um, yeah. But basically, because I think he's our record signing. Is he? It's either him or Westergaard. I think our, I think he's our yeah. record signing. Um, he looked hopeless. Yeah. Um, and the thing about this, this was the all time low with regards to the recruitment policy over the last few years, because there was nothing in his career whatsoever that Mm. suggested that he was going to be any good. You know, he he was, he was a substitute for Monaco. He hadn't scored goals for any other club and it was just a disaster from minute one. Um, Mm. He's got to be in there.
2: And I have to just mention briefly, and I've done this before, that dreadful Newcastle away game when I left after half an hour, went down to the bar, we lost 3-0, Kennedy scored after about 10 seconds. He was the only player that tried that day. So to give him some credit, I totally agree with you, Glenn, but actually for that game, Pellegrino, it was his last one in charge. Um, he was the only player that actually put any effort in that day. So that's the one positive I can say about him before you give us your last striker.
4: Um, my last striker is, is, a, um, is a striker that I'd actually forgotten about until... Someone reminded me during the week. This guy got me in trouble with a steward up at Arsenal because I called him a very, very rude word. Ooh, um, that's somebody he you. Ca- yeah, it is. He came back to our penalty area to defend and just fell on his ass. And I, I gave the opinion that he should get up rather promptly. Um, <laughs> and it's uh, Juanmi. Juanmi. Juanmi, who resigned yeah. from Sociedad, I think. Yeah. Yep. Um, he was garbage. He made no effort to adapt to the English game whatsoever. And was basically completely useless. I remember he know. dyed
2: his hair, didn't he? He did. He did dye his hair blonde, I think, at one point. Um, that was probably the I highlight. No if, pun
4: intended. If, oh dear! If he did, then that was his. Um, that was his main contribution. Yeah, so um,
2: there we go. That's uh, an interesting eleven. So we got Kuko Martina, Seaborn, Hoyt, Cedric, uh, Wattons, Goben, Mayuka, Yanisi, Correa, and Wami. That's not going to pick you up many points.
4: The manager has to be Pellegrino, with Claude as the attack coach. <laughs> there is uh, zero goals in five home games at the end of the yeah. season, which got in the sack. And the defence coach has to be Mark Hughes after thinking <laughs> it was a good idea to go away to Liverpool with a flat back four and play Vestergaard and Hoyt.
2: Yeah, damage limitations. It-
4: in a high line against all their forwards.
3: Quick so. we have a notable mention for Dean Wilkins as well, as caretaker between <laughs> Hardy and Adkins, where we literally lost every game, including 2-0 at home to Rochdale.
2: Yeah, and ironically, I remember going for my stag dude to Swindon. Uh It was his last game in charge, and uh, we lost one I Guess who scored that day for Swindon? Charlie Austin, Austin obviously. Well done, guys. And, Good and, work.
3: And he also dislocated his shoulder once again, if I remember rightly.
2: Look, I think there's a lot of people listening, Glenn, that will uh, be very, very uh, complimentary of your selection there, I think. But uh, just to finish all this off then, Steve, um, as we reflect back on the last 10 years as a a Saints fan, what's your general thoughts and emotions on it? What what do you think we should all feel? Success or failure or a bit of everything?
3: Um, Well, I mean, we started it on minus 10 points at the bottom of League One and we're ending it in 18th position. So it's not too bad Mm. um, in the grand scheme of things. We've had... We've won a trophy, albeit only in the Johnston's paint. Um, we've had two promotions. Um, we've got to another cup final, um, another semi-final, and we've played games in Europe, um, including where 8,000 of us went to went to the San Siro. Yep. So all in all, it's not been too bad, really. Um, the, last, the last couple of years have put a little bit of a dampener on things, certainly. But mm. up until that point, um, I think everyone would have said, with the possible exception of maybe a decade from 75 to 85, um, we'd probably say this has been been the most successful and enjoyable um, decade in the club's history.
2: Yeah. And and Dan, just from a, a journalistic point of view, of course, we don't know where we'll be. I, I know it's easy. The, the follow-up question is, where do you hope Saints might be in 10 years and things like that? But as a journalist, you can't look too far ahead anyway. So from your point of view, it's probably the immediate future, but also thinking about seasons as they come independently and the ups and downs that come with that and not looking too far ahead maybe as a club now
5: the first thing they have to focus on this season is just staying up uh and ralph's admitted he admitted today that this summer uh, that's just gone didn't go as well as they'd hoped it would do mm. um they, they just need to clear out all of those players that are on loan try and sell them get something back for them and you almost feel like they're starting again every summer but they just need to it looks as though you've got some characters in there that you probably don't want in there mm. um, and give Ralph the best chance because it's the same players that are always fighting against relegation mm. uh, you know, Ralph's not the problem here it's ideally the players just aren't good enough
2: yeah.
5: Um, so yeah, they just need to focus on staying up this season and then address things again in the summer but you just can't continue in that cycle they have to address it and address it properly in my opinion
2: Right, I thought as it had been uh, quite a while since we'd done our TSP FPL update, we'd uh, do one pre-Christmas as well. So just to rattle briefly through the uh, top five in reverse order, in fifth place we've got MEPA-AFC, which is uh, Marlon Ailing Allen. So I'm assuming that's where the team name comes from, Marlon. Uh, He's on 1,029 points. In fourth place we've got Flying Without Ings, which is Paul Martin, 1,030 points. Joint second place, we've got Salt and Pepe, which is Tom Mason, 1,042 points. And Yester Shea, Brian Stevens, 1,042 points. And currently out in lead is homeward bound, Steve Conway, 1,087 points. So well done to Steve so far. Obviously, we've got half the season to go. Um, a bit nearer to home, Lucy's doing well. She's in 13th place with uh, Shea Dream Believers. 103rd, Glenn. League One minus ten, 933 points. And I had a quick look because I know this will matter to you most. Joe is down in 133rd at the moment on 913 points. Joe's your son, right?
4: Yeah, I've only just I've only just overtaken him this week. I had a yeah. good week this week, and and he didn't. So. Um... Yeah, so he's been in front of me all season, so it's nice to have uh, nice to have a bit of bragging rights. Um, <laughs> there's, there's not many things I can beat him at these days. So.
2: <laughs> no, good stuff. So um, I'm currently 162nd, TSP Plodders on 897 points. Um, Steve, we briefly spoke about it there when we were in between uh, recordings, but uh, yeah, it's not been a, a, a vintage season for week two wildcards. Currently 208 out of 389, 874 points, Steve.
3: Yeah, it's been, been a shocker um Are you still put an effort in or have you done an Adam um, and just no I'm, I'm I'm I am still managing it but the problem is that having played my wild card I can't play another one until January
2: yeah yeah well a long way to go so uh, there we go I thought I'd uh briefly uh, mention of course uh, transfers are for wimps even though he won't be listening he doesn't care anymore and he never cared in the first place but uh, Mr Leach is uh, 350th currently on 773 points and last place is uh, ex-Saints FC All-Stars Simon Bradshaw 626 but as I say there's a long way to go so from that point of view Simon it's 389 and upwards just finally 92nd place is the Shea way, which is our defending champ from last year Bob Brown on 938 points so a stout defence from uh, Bob so far Okay, just before we go, let's do some predictions on the next three Saints fixtures of Villa, Chelsea, and Palace. Before we do, Dan, Aston Villa away, must win? No. Come on. No. I thought I'm you'd be better than Adam, Adam Leach. Leach. I'm
5: from the Adam Leach school of thought on this <laughs> one. It's not yeah. must win. They're not going to get relegated <laughs> if they lose.
2: <laughs> oh well, that's not the right uh, answer. But uh, look, I mean, you were just mentioning before we uh, did the FPL update, obviously BNC C ralph today in the the press conference ahead of the villa game so you still getting that air of confidence from him that he, he believes he can turn things around
5: yeah yeah definitely um you know he talks a talks a very good game to be fair to him it's just a shame the players can't always match that on the pitch but he feels as though he can turn it around he wants to use january as a chance to try and bring in another fullback because they obviously desperately need to mm. add some strength in that position um the border still believe he's their man yeah um and that's the sort of message, really. If they were going to sack him, they would have sacked him probably after the Leicester game, but mm-hmm. it wasn't. It was a case of, you know, you're our man, Ralph. If anything, the player's going to be leaving before you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that gave him the confidence. And then over the international break, he just he sat down with Martin and you know, they had like a, an honest chat and they just hit reset. And it seems to have worked. Obviously, the last two weeks or two results haven't been great for Saints. If they can put in that performance they did against Arsenal against Villa, then you'd fancy them to get three points.
2: Good, alright, well it's, I think we need a bit of stability in the management position, uh, we've certainly discussed that on the pod the the last few weeks, um, so we're going to rattle through these just so it doesn't take up ages for people who are listening but it's important for the uh, prediction league of course so um, let's start with the Aston Villa game then. Dan, you're obviously going to be there, I know you're, you're working on it, so um, what do you think the prediction will be for the, uh, the game at the weekend?
5: I think if they can escape with a draw it would be a good result mm-hmm. but I just don't see it. I think it'll be a narrow Villa win, possibly one nil, two one. So I'll go with one nil.
2: Yeah. All right. Perfect. All right. Um, I can I can jump in there nicely because of course in true style I've gone for Aston Villa to win two one. So that's good. Um, Glenn, what about you? Well,
4: I got asked this yesterday on uh, Freddy's stuff on yeah. on, uh, on uh, by Freddy,
2: So I said two one Saints.
4: So I
3: better stick with that.
2: Yeah. All right. Fair enough. That's nice to hear. And uh, Steve, what about you?
3: Villa hopefully they're kind of a little bit cocky having um, beaten Liverpool's 13 year olds on <laughs> um, on, tu- on Tuesday night so I fancy us for some reason
2: yeah hmm. um, I'm, the, I'm the copy Glenn and go with the 2-1 win you started on the Christmas booze already I can tell so uh, good alright excellent um, after Aston Villa we're uh, off to Stamford Bridge uh, of course one of Tiff Nadell's favourite away days the 3-1 as we remember and uh, that famous Steve Davis goal that Glenn was talking about earlier um, what do you reckon for that one Steve? I've given it the big build-up. Yeah, I mean, despite despite Chelsea's
3: iffy form, I just think they, they've they just got something on us yeah. um, in recent years. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see anything other than us getting fairly comfortably beaten there. Probably 2-0. 2-0,
2: all right. I can jump in there again, Steve, in true style. Uh, I've gone for Chelsea to win 2-0, so that's good. Yeah, there's a, a method to my madness, I'm sure. But, uh, Glenn, what do you reckon about Chelsea away?
4: Um, I think we'll get beat simply because... I think we will tank that game, basically, because we have Crystal Palace two days later, mm-hmm. which is a much more winnable game. Yeah. So I can't see the team selected being that strong. <laughs> None of our teams selected are particularly strong. But I, <laughs> yeah. I can see I can see a few fringe players playing in that game. So I'll say 3-0 to Chelsea. 3-0 to Chelsea,
2: all right. Um, Dan, are you working the Chelsea game as well?
4: Yeah, working the Chelsea
5: game yeah, as well.
2: Solid commitment, this is there. Look, what what's you reckon for the Chelsea game? Any better than the Villa?
5: yeah I'm going to go against the grain actually oh, I'm right. going to say Saints are going to get a draw right okay. I just think Chelsea look to be in, I know Steve doesn't think it will last but I think they look to be in freefall at the yeah. moment and their defence just does not look very good I know neither the Saints to be fair Yeah. but I fancy Danny Ings to score against them um, so I can see it being 1-0 1-0 good
2: alright excellent alright and then the final uh, game before we're back on again is Crystal Palace at home which Glenn just mentioned um, you never quite know Steve with Crystal Palace which team's going to turn up yeah, I mean, did you
3: watch their game against Brighton? I didn't, but I mean, they were I, rubbish for seventy-five wow, minutes. They were bad. Then. Yeah, I mean, for for seventy-five minutes, they were genuinely pathetic for a home game against your hated rivals. I mean, that derby was it was quite, the M twenty-three
2: like, derby that I saw it, Yeah, yeah you know, I mean, it's, I mean it's, it. it's it's
3: ridiculous derby, but it's um, but yeah, I mean, for for your biggest game in the season, I mean, they were absolutely dreadful for mm. seventy-five minutes, but then. They've got that moment of quality where Zaha suddenly digs the ball digs the ball out from under his feet and hammers it in the top corner. Yep. And all of a sudden then Palace could have won that game. Um so they've got threats on the break, but defensively they are a mess. Um everybody's everybody's injured. Um <laughs> so there's gonna be goals. Yeah. So you're getting nil-nil uh, then. Fair. Well that's, that's probably what will happen. But <laughs> my my prediction is gonna be weirdly optimistic 3-2 win
2: 3-2 win goal bonanza so good mm-hmm. all right Um, Glenn what do you reckon for that one Um,
4: agree with Steve I thought Palace were were a decent side this season until mm. I saw that game against Brighton where if Brighton could have picked a final ball on any of the 30 or so occasions they worked the ball to the edge of the box then they would have been out of sight by half time mm. um, Palace got back into it and yeah and then <laughs> could have won it but uh they they did look a bit poor um, hopefully none of their defenders will be back by the time we play them um, so I'm it's all two ones isn't it I'm going two one two <laughs> one win in that one
2: yeah you like Matt Markstein so good alright and uh, I've gone for one all because uh, again I, I, I couldn't go for three defeats in a row because that would just be really really negative so I've gone for a one all draw for that so uh, Dan is the guest just to end in style then I assume you're going for a final decade home win
5: uh, two all from me <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm going to go with two all I just think is going to have a point to prove when he comes back to, to St Mary's I remember when Ward Prowse got him sent off yeah. last season I feel like he might come back and cause a few problems um, but like you say if Palace's defenders stay unfit then that does give Saints a bit more of a chance but I don't know their home form has just been so abysmal of late I just can't see them winning it to be honest
2: Well, thank you for listening to this bumper Christmas episode of Total Saints Podcast. Hope you enjoy it. And we'll be back next week. I'm going to try and put together a Christmas quiz for next week. So uh, we'll try and do something in between uh, Christmas and the New Year. My thanks to Steve, Glenn and, of course, Dan. Uh, Enjoy the Christmas workload, Dan, and let's hope that they can pick up some uh, flipping points for you. So uh, thanks very much for coming on this week. And uh, I'm sure all of us, uh, the three of us and uh, listeners, look forward to having you on again soon. All of us here, wish all of you and your families a very Merry Christmas if you're celebrating it. Um, Particularly, uh, just want to give a shout out to our patrons out there that uh, support the podcast. So thank you very much for all your support this year and uh, hope you have a Merry Christmas. As I mentioned, we'll be back in between the Palace and Tottenham games. Uh, Don't forget that you can still get to your TSP100 live tickets if you want to. They're still available, uh, some via the Eventbrite site. So Adam will be there, Glenn will be there, Steve will be there myself. Uh, Joe Prince-Wright's going to be there, Dan's coming along, Saints- archive tiff nadell's coming along freddy from the ugly inside so there's going to be lots of people there for catching up with so uh, if you do fancy spending 10 pound and don't forget it's all in support of the saints foundation then uh, you can get your tickets via eventbrite.co.uk until then keep marching in and a very merry christmas